Welcome to Bookpile Banter. This is Amberly with Sarah and Kim, and today we're going to discuss The Only Good Indians, which is by Stephen Graham Jones and was published in 2020 by Simon & Schuster. Stephen is a registered member of the Blackfeet Tribe of the Blackfeet Indian Reservation of Montana. He has a bachelor's, master's, and a PhD in English. He, he currently teaches English at the University of Colorado Boulder. He is best known for his recent books in horror, but has published a wide array of literary works, achieving 22 publications before the age of 50. And this time for the plot, my book actually included a copy of an introduction, and I'm just going to read that. So it says, four American Indian men from the Blackfeet Nation who were childhood friends find themselves in a desperate struggle for their lives against an entity that wants to exact revenge upon them for what they did during an elk hunt 10 years earlier. Not just them either, but their family, families, and friends. So, Kim, what'd you think of this book? Oh, you're so mean. Why? Did you want me to start with Sarah? On purpose. No, I'll do it. Uh, I, I really like this book. Um, I thought it was very good. I thought it was well written. Uh, however, I had a terrible time reading it. Um. I you were not listened. in the zone for it. Oh, I wasn't. I listened. I did not listen. I, I follow a lot of Native Americans on TikTok and they have a wonderful way of speaking. They, they have a certain cadence to their words. They have a certain cadence to their sentences. Um, varies obviously from tribe to tribe, but it, it has a sound to it. And I couldn't read the sound. When we read Firekeeper's Daughter, I could get the sound into it. When we read Anoka, I could get the sound into it. This one, I couldn't do it. Um, and then I got the audiobook because I was having a hard time with the reading and they didn't get a Native American speaker to read the book. And so I wasn't getting the sound on that. I was very tired. I was listening to it at a higher rate of speed because I wanted, I needed to get through it. So I finished it before we recorded and um, I fell asleep while listening to it. I did, I knew what was happening, but I was asleep. So um, yeah, it was, it was weird. Then he recorded, the writer recorded his acknowledgements. So his, you know, thank yous and all of that. Um, and that was the tone I was looking for. So because I listened to that at the end, I love the book. Had I not listened to that at the end, I probably would have said I didn't like the book because I just never got the feeling out of it that I wanted very desperately because I do love the way Native American speakers speak. I, I love the tones of their voices and and, and they have um, a certain rhythm that's slightly different oh, than the own speech it's, patterns. Yeah. yeah. It's it's I love listening to it. So anyway, okay. that's my overall view on the book. All right. Uh what about you, Sarah? Um I it's compli it's not complicated. It's just it's difficult for me to describe how I felt overall about the book. Because um, on the one hand, as a horror book, I, I just feel I would have enjoyed it more as a novella, and specifically a novella of Lewis's story. Not interesting. Didn't really need Ricky's. Didn't need the rest of it. Like just that as a horror story. When I was reading Lewis's part, I was like, oh, this is such good horror. Like it's just you've got like the mental like it almost seems like deterioration you don't know what's real and then like and then it just goes like 
super horrific at the very end. And like, if it had just ended like with the deer, like coming out of her stomach and like just Mm -hmm. leaving it up in the air as to what had actually ended after that, I would have been like, I don't know. I just feel like that would have been really good. Have, um, have like, we I wanted won to see you it over as a movie. to novellas? <laughs> well, just in this particular instance. Um, I know, but like you actually wanted something to be a novella. I'm I'm shocked. Because it was just the perfect like little, that section. It's just, it's kind of short though for a full novel, but it's like that section yeah, just yeah. Like, encapsulated. It was perfect. Again, like okay. I said, I would love to see that part as a movie. Then we get to Cassidy and Gabriel and we have to, like, we get all that and then it starts all over. We have to build up the momentum again. And I just was not into it after getting, like, so hyped up from the first section that that section was a drag. And then obviously they just get murdered. And it's like, at that point, I'm like, I don't, I don't even really care anymore, quite (laughs) frankly. It's just this horrible, gratuitous death and violence. And I'm just not feeling it at this point. But then... He brings it back in around with Denora's part of the story. And like, I don't know, like at first I was like, ah, basketball stuff, whatever. But then I got super invested again and like even <laughs> emotional with her story and like the conclusion of that with Nate and everything. I was just like, so then I felt the ending was really good. I just didn't like that middle part with Cassidy and Gabe because it just, it kind of reset the whole tone. Well, not the tone, but you know, like the action seat. It just kind of fell stagnant in the middle. So I okay. liked it, but I also had issues with it. Okay. Okay. Interestingly, well, uh, Kim I, had mentioned. I know. I, I agree. The sweat, the sweat lodge thing was, was like, wow, what, what are we in? But I was asleep through a lot of it and it just kept hearing um, elk woman. No, what is it? Elk head elk woman. Over and yeah. over again. That just kept coming through my, my sleep phase that I was in and I I just heard that that phrase over and over and over and over again and then sweat and and naked and dogs and yeah it was weird um but what Sarah just said and I and I hadn't even processed until this moment this would make a great film even even in the overall thing because you could tell these individual stories at the same time Mm-hmm. So that they could they could be visually happening at the same time, rather. So that momentum that was was broken when we then jumped to the other guys' perspectives of what was going on, even because even though in the story it's not linear, um, as a movie you could write it linear so that all of this is happening at the same time. Um, it would be make a great film, great horror film. Okay, so Sorry. it's. No, 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 you're good. You're good. It's really funny though, because so I enjoyed it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And it definitely has ups and downs. Um, but and as always, I want to preface none of us are Native American. We are all white women. Um, so all knowledge we have obviously is second hand. Um, but what I understand of storytelling when it comes to native indigenous stories is it's one it's not a linear story they don't typically tell it in that linear way um but there are also it's not the way we do things where we peak and then we come down theirs is more like a rhythm so it kind of does a a wave because you guys can't see my hand they can but theirs does this up and down rhythm and so 
when looking at certain parts, I definitely like parts better than others. I love Lewis's part. That really drew me in. Ricky's part at the beginning kind of confused me. And I was like, what the hell am I getting into? And the very ending, like, was very, very, like, a strong end. Um, and it does make Cassidy and Gabe feel a little off. But I realized it was because that's that was the dipping down. We were coming to a slower beat and then picking back up. And so it, for me, it worked in how I understand storytelling for that culture to work. Is that rhythm, that, that drum beat, that, you know, it, it's not... A mountain like we see things in white cultures our stories tend to be mountains um and i actually i enjoyed the sweat lodge part because i think that gave us the best understanding of modern day struggles of being a male native american on a reservation and that's something we actually haven't read yet we have read women on reservations we have read um like city life, you know, Anoka wasn't necessarily a specific man on a reservation. Um, there was a couple of times where we got like little short stories that came close. Um, but this was the first time that we got to see kind of how hard expectations versus reality were. Um, and also what I really liked about that section is that we got the first time where we were seeing a difference between two tribes because we have Blackfeet, which is the primary characters, they're all Blackfeet. And they, um, Cassidy had fallen in love with a woman from the Crow tribe. And so we actually got to see that kind of sense that, you know, you can't just lump up all Native Americans together. There is a difference between the tribes. There is also animosity potential between tribes. Um, and to cross over is both a potential to stay more towards Native American blood, but that doesn't necessarily mean that your people are going to be as easily accepting of it, given the fact that they kept referring to her as the crow, um, not by her name. So I thought that section, while slower, really gave us more insight to the culture than any of the other parts did. Um, so I enjoyed that and didn't mind the slowness. Um, so the aspect of it that I really liked was the um, the generational aspects of it because mm -hmm. we have the the and I don't know anybody's names again I slept through a lot of it um, the guy who set up the sweat lodge that's Cassidy the, the young Cassidy set it up for the younger um, but he was remembering his experiences when Cassidy or the the young boy's grandfather had done the same for him and he wanted to give him that experience and, and mm -hmm. but he realized that he didn't engage in it and so he and didn't he didn't remember it but he wanted the kid to still have an experience that would tie him back to his roots i also love the references to the hair braiding because that's mm -hmm. such a such an important aspect mm -hmm. of native american life and and i had never really thought about how um and it was mentioned in the book how when they're younger, it will be their elder that is braiding their hair and talking to them about the process of braiding and, and how important mm -hmm. it is. Um, and it didn't occur to me that it would be a male elder braiding a male younger's life. 
or hair. So I, that yeah. has not, not occurred to me as I've, I've heard different Native Americans talking about the importance of braiding and, and what they do whilst they're braiding their hair. And um, so I like that aspect of it. So well, I like that you got the one feeling out of, out of that, the sweat lodge scenes, and I, I got a completely different one out of it. Well, and I was going to say, um, the other thing that I liked, because I did notice the generational things, um, you then have the reverse of the, the foil that is Cassidy and um, Gabe, because Cassidy wants to take what he remembers of the elders and what he got from, I want to say it's Tanish, but I could be wrong, um, or Niche and pass it on niche and pass it on to nate meanwhile you have gabe who has completely and utterly disconnected himself from his father and struggles to actually connect with his daughter um so you have one who's trying to embrace the culture and actually function within it and seeing the value of what's come to pass or what's happened in the past and then you have another one who is in such a survival mode that he's failing to see the value in those connection and is just trying to use them for himself. Um, so I liked how they paralleled each other in that section and kind of how neither of them was really succeeding at it, but were succeeding at it and how it added then to their struggle within the community and then within the situation that they were dealing with too. So. Any, anything on your end, Sarah, regarding all of that? Or just it felt slow? I mean, it was interesting getting that perspective of the reservation. Um, just from, like you said, the male perspective. But, I mean, I was invested more in finding out what was going to happen with Elkhead Woman. So, like, <laughs> I didn't spend a lot of time deep thinking into anything that I was reading. It was just, when's she going to show up? How's she going to murder these people? And also all the animals, apparently. Um, oh, man, that was and so... will she ever be stopped? Or is this just going to be a giant murder fantasy? Um, so that's kind of just where my thoughts were stuck on. Yeah, no, and what I will say, well, it took us forever when we get to the ending of that section when all of the killing is happening and they're all like trying to survive. Um, when Joe gets killed, like the trauma of all of that, like I was pretty impressed with it. It felt rewarding to get to that point in it after reading all of like the sweat lodge stuff. Um, and then particularly looking at like the violence towards women in this as well was interesting. Um, not in a like, oh, this is fascinating, but like, it was a different take on violence towards women than we've had in the past when we've read indigenous readings. Um, so again, it was kind of interesting to see a male perspective author writing about what is a significant trauma that our community is still experiencing in terms of abuse and death towards Native women. So uh which i guess is a good segue into the lewis story because that's what you liked best right sarah yeah i mean from the horror side of things I yeah that yeah was no. the best horror yes <laughs> i i agree i liked the horror of it and how it ended and i was almost i did have a moment where it was like i wish it did end right there 
because I was like, oh, that is like, it's such a tragic ending and it's such a great stop point for a tragic ending. Um, but then as things continued to pick up, I was like, okay, this is kind of like a, like a continuation of it. It's kind of like little novellas all on the same topic. Um, so then I treated the next section as a novella. Uh, I also found it interesting, the discussion of Lewis in comparison to a, again, a crow woman um, and a white woman. Yeah. And the expectations of how he should be interacting with both of them. So, I, I don't know if you found that interesting or not, or if, yeah, because Kim disappeared. My dog <laughs> she went did. at the door. She just left. Yeah, she's done. She... <laughs> I had, I said what I had to say. I'm done now. You're done. <laughs> Shortest Sorry, episode ever. This making noise. No, it's all good. Down now. Down now. Don't whine at my door and then not lay down. <laughs> okay. He's done. I'm done. I'm good. Also, the whole like shoving his hand into their mouths to try and find an ivory tooth. <laughs> so like well, I mean, he didn't just shove his hand in their mouth. Oh, no. He stuck <laughs> his hand in their mouth and broke the jaw to access the teeth. Or when he held the jaw and ripped the head back to break the jaw the second time because he learned his lesson Yo, the, first time, the first time. He becomes so matter of fact in this too. By the end of it, so it's like he, he has completely lost his mind. He is just oh, he had, he had and it's it's just like that was very unreliable narrator sort of thing where it's like the things he's seeing are like because I think he sees a scar on Shaney's abdomen that's like a vertical scar and like he also sees like an old damage to like her forehead right and that's mentioned mm-hmm. early on so once he starts thinking that Peta could be the elk head woman obviously you immediately think of Shaney and then he also yeah. thinks of Shaney later on but it's like did Shaney even have those marks or was just like the elk head woman like making him think that and then he never actually confirms that she had the scar in her belly he never gets a chance to look at it except for the fact that later on i'm gonna say her name wrong oh denora denora makes a comment that says oh you're sheeny because apparently when the elk head no, woman she, the elk head woman says she's sheeny and oh, okay, but, like, but she oh, says okay, Shaney with like quotation. But she said she looked time. like the images she, that they actually did look similar. So I actually was wondering if Shaney was ever like well, actually had to be real though, because it's mentioned in the news that he killed two women, the but postal worker. I thought it was the Elkhead woman purposely became Shaney. Yeah, that, that's I what I'm saying. Is I, it was a long con. I, the, it, yeah. Shaney was always the Elkhead woman and that she was just setting it up so that she could she could kill them. But then did she leave her body behind? Mm-hmm. Because then she like rebirths into an elk and he's carrying the baby elk and then the baby elk rapidly transforms into oh, that is true. an adult yes, woman. So yeah, I... But what's weird is because there, there was... Because Joe did have a relation named Shaney. Um, so I 
I don't know. And, and I don't know if we're supposed to know whether or not that Shaney was always just Shaney or if Shaney got overtaken by the essence of the elk because there was sorry i'm yeah i was scratching my head and making like her hands motions above her head it was awesome oh or if like because he had the hide once she came into contact with the hide if maybe then that's when she started to not just be shaney um and I think that's kind of the fun of it is, is I think it would take multiple well, reads think, to figure that out. We, we get to, we get through his story and I think we're kind of supposed to think that his reaction is, is guilt, guilt for mm -hmm. being his, his, his homeland, guilt for, you know, choosing to be with a white woman rather than, um, a, a native American woman, um, guilt for guilt for breaking for, his promise guilt for um defying the elders rules you know he he wasn't supposed to hunt, they weren't supposed to hunt where they were hunting um so i think up until that point we're not we're supposed to think none of this is actually happening it's all just his guilt and then that's why we jump into these other characters and even as the sweat lodge, I was just like going, what are we talking about? Because we don't know anything's going wrong until they discover the dogs are dead. It's always, it's kind of implied that there might be somebody there, that the horses might be behaving weird, where, you know, there's something in the background. And then they actually discovered the pulverized dog that has just been, I mean, it's nothing but mush on the ground. Um, oh, I, I didn't take so it I as knew. that. But that I think that's when the story flips and we realize it's real. Well, we already knew it was real because she already murdered the people that were in the truck that picked her up. Yeah. Like the vigilantes then, who killed Lewis. Like and she we get came her. out of Yeah, that's true. We get her yeah. perspective too a couple times. Yeah. yeah. So I, I yeah, from the very beginning of that, that third part, section. So. <laughs> okay well i was like you're like sitting here going we're not supposed to try i'm like we were getting her point of view but i meant we were... up to i meant up to i i was more focusing on lewis's story and then yeah and lewis's it seems like he's just going crazy yeah yeah like guilt and stuff yes yes um sorry murphy came in and meeped at me <laughs> I got distracted. Um, but yeah, no, I yeah, no, I lost what I was gonna say. Yeah. All right. Cool, cool, cool. Thank you for your contribution. <laughs> I'll be here all week. <laughs> um it, it I'm sorry, it all just like gone um this is probably not related but one of the things i also liked about this book is that the author's use of like violence with these deaths and stuff it's just like it's so abrupt and so like shocking each time that mm -hmm. it just uh 
he used it really well. Like, um, yeah. Granted, like I said, with Sweat Lodge, at a certain point, it started to feel gratuitous. I'm not going to lie. I was like, this is getting kind of Final Destination-y with the gruesomeness of these deaths. But um, just, oh my God. And like, for people who can't handle animal deaths, like just stay away from this book. You will not be happy yeah. <laughs> at all because it goes into detail. So interestingly enough, because before we did, we started recording, I did look something up because I remember, full disclosure, when we Kim and I discussed this beforehand, shocker, and she's like, if I have to hear Elkhead Woman one more time, she's like, I don't even know if this is, is a, a thing. And so I did look it up. And there is a Native American mythology called Deer Woman or Deer Lady. And interestingly enough, within Native American mythology, um, the associations and qualities of these beings depends on how one treats women ch and children. So for women and children and men who are respectful of women and children, she is seen as fertility and love. However, when there is harm done to women and children, uh, she is vengeful and murderous and known to lure these men to their deaths. And while obviously this is an elk, not a deer, I think the idea is supposed to be looking at that kind of polarization um, in terms of how the deer, elk head woman interacts with everyone in the story. Because she is not kind because... At the very beginning, we have these four men who are just attacking elk and not paying attention to, like, if any of them could be pregnant. You know, they weren't actually, like, taking their kills for the sake of, like, fully for survival, but they weren't, like, being, you know, careful about who they were picking to kill within the elk herd and therefore just pulverized a big section of them and i think that kind of is looking at you know the idea that if you're not mindful of who you're treating and who you're attacking and who you're protecting um you're going to have victims and you should be punished for that and because they killed essentially what could be viewed as a woman um even if it was an elk it was female it was pregnant uh they then warranted being attacked so viciously um in revenge per the dear lady mythology and none of them were actually like cassidy was the kindest to joe um but none of them like put their women on a supreme pedestal i would say um lewis wasn't like like horrible to his wife but like he still treated her as an otherness because she was white um and gabe clearly didn't know how to interact with his past wife or with his daughter at all in a like healthy functional way um and i can't remember with ricky if there was some implication that he wasn't like all that great with women either um so i don't know what you guys think on that if it changes the story at all for you if it makes sense if i'm totally like out in left field. <laughs> no, I think, uh, um, I don't think you're in left field. I think maybe um, the writer 
might have been looking at it in a more of a um not particularly women's sense but in in a heritage and tribal sense um so i know he was looking at it in a female sense because in my acknowledgments he talks about specifically the dear lady he talks about other stories that he's read written from um female indigenous authors and when they've talked tackled this mythology and that's what's inspired this story okay so i just just to clarify he he does because he says um I don't write this novel with Ellen, Ellen Datlow. Not sure how I would write a horror at all without her being her. So thanks, Ellen, always. Not sure how I'd write this novel without how Louise um, Edridge, the antelope's wife, lodged in me either. But there's everything she writes. Her stories and characters and scenes are shattered all throughout through my heart. Remove any one of them and I bleed out fast. Two, there's Elizabeth La Pensy's Dear Woman, a vignette, which I picked up at the first indigenous comic con um so very much this story came thanks to women female writers looking at the dear lady and then him continuing to build off of that so okay <laughs> any other thoughts have i completely derailed us stomped us Oh. <laughs> <Help>. Bad reference. <laughs> Anything else stand out to you guys? Nope. <laughs> so what about the the basketball? What did you guys think of basketball in this? Because it's clearly important. Like as a scene or like as a concept? Like I as mean, it's role in the tribe. Yeah, I don't know about that, but I just know that when it was Denora's chapter and he spent a while talking about these details about her going up against the Elkhead woman. Like, fuck, I don't know anything about basketball. So this was all just random words. And I'm like, I was still not really feeling things at that point. It was only after they got through the basketball section and she started like running that I re-engaged with the story. But yeah, the basketball stuff, that was over my head. I didn't get anything from it, honestly. Okay. What about you, Kim? Um, I remember being taught to play basketball. It was it was taking me back to um, a bit of childhood trauma and we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll leave it at that. Okay. So I... And again, I was thinking this in comparison to Firekeeper's Daughter. Um, and there we have ice hockey. But it did make me wonder, and I don't have knowledge of this, um, but it made me wonder what about sports is so important for tribes? Um, and I, I don't have an answer for this, obviously. And I didn't do research into it because I, I don't think that anything I could find would give me like reliable but as i was reading this i was thinking there has to be something about playing sports and having a team for a reservation um and for tribes that seems to be so critical for them and i don't know if it's about the ability to escape or come back and support the tribe i don't know if it's because it has something to do with unity um i did find I it interesting say, I, would, I would bet it has to do with unity and being allowed 
to express their unity through sports and team because American society is so um, enmeshed in sports. And then there was always such a push in, in the tribal communities of pulling them apart. But if they had sports teams, they mm. were allowed to come together. Um, so I, I would think that's probably part of it. But again, I, I have no actual experience with any of this, but th- that's yeah. to me what it would strike as just because of how hard they pushed they being the colonizers in, a, in, in the United States and how hard they worked at pulling apart tribes and families um, and, and, you know, putting them in the, in the, voca- not the vocational schools, the, um, what are the names of the schools? Um, uh, the boarding schools? The, re-education, the re-education schools. Yeah, oh. yeah. yeah. Um, um, so, well, yeah. and that's why I found the, ending very interesting is because obviously i'm gonna say her name wrong again say her name sarah denora denora at the end then becomes the symbol for the tribe and raising her fist because that's what she did after defeating the elkhead woman and then raising her fist when her team finally gets defeated i found out of respect I found that really interesting. And again, I, I I felt ill-equipped to even begin to try and understand the sports aspect of this and what it means. Um, it actually almost felt like that portion was maybe not written for me as a white person to understand or to even attempt to understand. Like it was, it felt like a, a secret message or a love note to somebody else, um, which I, quite liked about it and that's because I'm, I'm not a big sports person um so I enjoyed it even though I had no fucking clue what was going on they were talking I'm like I know what a dribble is I know how what I like what's involved for like shooting a basket but I was like the rest of this I know nothing about I'm like but I was like I don't think I'm supposed to be the person who understands this um it felt like that part was being written to someone else and it was kind of nice um like i was being allowed to see something without understanding it which is what i felt like with the whole book yeah i was i was actually going to say i think there was a lot of that throughout the book um and i can't even pull examples out of my head but every once in a while a line would come across and you're like oh i may have heard that or i may have got inklings of that in the past but it's clearly something that is very much part of a culture that i'm just being allowed to glimpse because this yeah has been written um which is why i like diverse books to begin with yeah. is the idea that you get to glimpse something and know that you may not always understand it but maybe you're coming a little bit closer and it's opening you up a little bit more and if you keep reading maybe you will you know, you will get a modicum of appreciation, even if you won't ever truly understand it. Um, but that's why it's fun to, to immerse yourself into other aspects of similar cultures. Um, mm-hmm. And one of the reasons why I, I like native TikTok so much, just because 
they do little hints of little things and it's just like and then you you read firekeeper's daughter and you'll hear the same thing it's it's and then and then you read a different book and it's like oh that same reference is there and it could be different tribes but it's same same mannerisms or the same same things that come across and it's just like okay i've seen that or i've heard that um well and and i I I feel like each time we read another one of these kinds of books these indigenous stories we're getting a better understanding of what we're reading we're getting this like building blocks kind of thing i think if we had read this before firekeeper's daughter i think a lot of it would have gone well over our heads even anoka kind of oddly enough i think set up the success of us understanding this um i think if this had been the first one we read i think a lot of it would have not come across as easily for us and while we probably would have enjoyed it the same amount i i think some of that minutia would have been lost um so that's why i like how we've oddly enough been building our indigenous reads for lack of better way to describe it what about you sarah any of this or is this all you just read a book and (laughs) got thoughts about all of this that we're discussing i read a book about a deer head or elk-headed woman haunting some people who wronged her and her baby and her bloody revenge and um i don't know that reading any other books really opened my experience of this one okay just not a big deep critical thinker but um i still enjoyed it yeah no that's totally fair it's a different way to look at a book and assess it and that's completely and utterly valid um so you think for you it wouldn't have mattered if you'd read this before like firekeeper's daughter yeah i i didn't really think anything like there was nothing that i read here that was like made me think of something i had encountered in firekeeper's daughter um I just, uh, I just kind of completely separate kind of story also fair. written by. Totally yeah. fair. Uh, is there anything else you guys wanted to specifically comment on? Um, I was glad that Nora did not die. I was very stressed for her in that <laughs> final scene. And like when Nathan showed up in the chapter that was called Blood Clot Boy, I was like, yes. I was really yes. feeling the end is what I should say. I um, and I did like how, oh. Go ahead. No, 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 go. Oh, I was just gonna say, I really liked how she ran and ran and somehow ended up in the same place where all the elk died. And like, she stopped her stepfather from killing the elk head woman. And then the Alkid woman dug up her baby. It was alive or whatever. And then they just were able to leave. So you get some closure there on that cycle. That's what I was going to say. I love the fact that the, the deer got to be born and, and they got to go off and, or the, not deer, elk. They got to go off and live their life. I, I liked that ending. I liked that. I liked the fact that we had been introduced to the blood caught boy and that Nate had been like, I will never be this. And he got to be that. Um, so I liked that coming full circle. I liked the fact that we got a male character at the end who was respectful of women. It took it took his stepdaughter for him to be able to do that, but he clearly could recognize the need to be respectful and therefore did not shoot the Elkhead woman and he got to live. Um, so well, I, I mean, liked getting Denora was 
in the I way, see. so he would have had to yes, shoot her but, between the two but, of them, but yeah. But yeah, but he still respected his daughter, his stepdaughter telling him, don't do it. And he didn't question her. He instantly said, she says, don't do it, don't do it. Um, and I think I that was that that true. He did like, he did the hand signal or whatever. To yeah, yeah. It so he was, yeah. yeah. Um, I like the fact that you keep saying stepdaughter. She kept saying my other father. Father. Yeah. Or well, my yeah, new dad, I think. My, yeah. Well, she yeah, finally calls dad. him. She finally calls him dad at the end, and that's dad, what yeah. makes him listen. But when she um, talked about him, it was my new yeah, dad. Yeah, I'm dad. My new dad. Yeah, no, I know. Dad. Yeah. But it, yeah. It's, it just, it, it goes into how cultures refer to these these things differently. Um, yeah. Well, and I was saying step, because I kept just saying daughter, and then I kept correcting myself to stepdaughter, because I was like, most people would throw that as stepdaughter, and I didn't want to confuse people between exactly. Gabe and the, the new father. Um, so that was just me trying to be conscious Which, of readers yeah, understand no, or listeners understanding that in the, in the story yeah. that it was very much yeah it, that's not a term and being in a family that is my family being a blended family we never used the term stepdaughter stepfather yeah. step that that wasn't the thing um and and I have half siblings that one of my sisters didn't even know what the term half sibling was until she was an adult. Um, so, you know, it, everyone does these things differently and, and you need to res- not respect, I'm not like lecturing you about what, how you did it. I, I'm saying what you did was right. Um, but I like the fact that it was very much pointed out that they don't use that term. That is yeah. the thing that's part of their culture, which was, I, I thought, cool. Yeah, which then was interesting because the only one who does refer to it that way is Gabe. Because he does say her stepfather. Mm-hmm. So, again, Gabe sought to other himself the entire time. Um, and so, didn't respect his ex-wife, didn't respect his daughter, didn't respect the man in his relationship to those two. Also, uh, just actually more of a question. Did we know that Denny was the stepdad until the end, or did we, or was that only revealed at the very, very end when it says who was actually shooting? Because I, I feel think, like I was surprised when I learned that. I think I was surprised it was Denny, but before that, we were told that her other father is the warden, game warden. Oh, um, okay. but I had gotten the impression up until that point that maybe it was a new person who had stepped into the position, not that it was the exact same one who had stopped the guys back in the day. So when his name is then said, that's when I realized it was the same one. It was vague enough that it wasn't clear that who stopped them previously was also the new father. So, okay. Does that clear that up? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I just I was surprised I when it came up. That revelation. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. Any other? Did you guys have any quotes or anything? No. I feel like I had one, but I don't think I marked it down. So I don't remember the exact quote because I didn't mark it down. But I found it really interesting when in the third part, um, 
I can't remember if it's Cassidy or Gabe, but one is reflecting back on the fact that their elder was proud of e uh the like the red man chew or something like that and being called an indian and the elder commenting that for that generation indian was a point of pride and it's only now that the current generation wants to push away from that name and prefers native or indigenous and how word choices can change from generation to generation as they like try to gain more of themselves um, and more of their identity so i thought that was really interesting particularly given the title of the book yeah i am um, that's kind of what when i was talking about the little the little phrases and whatnot that that happened throughout the the story that there's there's a lot of those little things in there that, that um with careful reading which when i read it again which i will do one of these days um, <laughs> will will stand out more to me um but yeah did you have any quotes or no i have a quote but it's from the acknowledgments okay and he he says thanks to my dad dennis jones for taking me out before dawn morning after before dawn morning after morning when it is so dark that everything's sort of glowing light blue and you can hear the elk so close that you're pretty sure you can reach your hand out touch them only they're ghosts aren't they they're so much smarter than I'll ever be. Mostly I want to come back with mostly what I want to come mostly what I come back with are stories. But stories last longer than meat, I say. So I just fucked that up entirely, but um that was really and cool. that that could have had like a deep, a strong like could have been profound, but I can't read today. So <laughs> I do I do though like the idea that we get more from stories than we do from meat um it's almost like the experiences we have matter more than like and last longer yeah so all right so our first one is excitement yes how exciting okay so kim how exciting did you find this book i'm gonna give it a four <laughs> Are you sure? You did sleep through a good portion of it. And that's why I, I'm not giving it a five. When it was exciting, it was very exciting. Like when when they described, they the writer described in detail rip her hair getting caught into the 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 the, the, the spoke mechanism yeah, of the and, motorcycle. Oh yeah. Ripping her apart. I was just like, oh. holy shit i honestly that's, that's next level visualization because you know he didn't go out and practice this to figure out how it's actually done that's some I, heavy duty writing there awesome. i i read that part and my first thought is nope never helping martin with his bike again <laughs> and if you do put your hair up. put your hair up oh <laughs> I, yeah, that was a really intense moment. Uh, what about you, Sarah? What was your excitement? Uh, I gave it a four. Again, when it was exciting, it was really exciting. The slow parts, though, did feel much slower because the exciting parts were so exciting. Okay, okay. I, I'm going to stick with you guys on a four there. Um, I didn't find the slow parts not exciting. Um. 
it was such like for me it felt like a steady progression throughout all of it that in order for what I guess would be classified as the exciting parts to work the other parts had to like what am I trying to say here like I don't know I don't know what I'm trying to say before don't work in a verbal medium medium yeah I don't know what I'm trying to say so four uh ease of reading Kim I am very curious to know what she gives this. I, you know what? Okay, I hadn't thought about this for this before this moment, but I did. This was like the first thing I addressed. But it's very much me. I couldn't get into the cadence of the story, and I want. I knew what the cadence was supposed to be, and I couldn't. I couldn't get it. Um, so I will say a three. But that's not a reflection on the book. It's a reflection on me. Okay, Sarah. I gave it a four. Oh, nice. You thought it was easy to read then? Or pretty easy to read? Yeah. Um, yeah, because during the exciting parts, it was very easy. During the slow parts, <laughs> I had to push myself more. And then during the violent parts, that was just like difficult on a soul level. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, not, not unreadable by any means. Um, Okay, so I, I'm not sure how to rate this, because if I were thinking about the average reader, I would probably rate the ease at like a two. I think for a lot of readers, the style of the story is not going to always be easy for them to read. Um, and not because I think myself superior, but I didn't have too much difficulty with it. And so my personal ease of reading was a four. Um, but I don't think this is an easy read for everyone. I do think that it might be jarring and difficult and finding that pacing that most people anticipate in the story is lacking. Um, and if you're not going in prepared for that, then you may not get further than Lewis's story. Because I could very easily see people getting to about the start of Cassidy and Gabe's story and just going, I can't do this and setting it down. Um, so I, I walk between a, somewhere between a two and a four. And yes, three is the middle ground. But so. You go with the hand um, motions again, which again, to our listeners, would sound as silence <laughs> i know i said which is where i went with three so yeah yeah um and listen i could put these up on youtube but certain people don't want their faces shown Better so not. No, i'm not I no but i'm just saying about getting groomed before we have these conversations i don't have I know, time I know. for that shit i know i know that's why we don't have a youtube channel uh for anyone like wishing we did um there are a lot of people who do podcasts and they also put them up on YouTube using this sort of thing. Okay, then we have emotional rating. So, Sarah, what was your emotional reaction to this rating? It's a really weird way to ask that question, but um... <laughs> listen, 
I am working six days a week or six, yeah, six days a week right now. And there's something up with my brain <laughs> and Do it way. just gets worse day by day. So just work with how I say things. <laughs> I give it five. Okay. Any explanation? Just five. I had emotions. <laughs> no, um, like I said, with Lewis's, I was like, just really invested in it like even if it was not a happy story in any way um it was exciting i was into it casty and gabe whatever um but then the denora part is when i felt the most emotion because i was just like edge of the seat kind of thing and i think i teared up a little bit multiple times near the end of hers so yes giving it a five nice kim four I thought you were just gonna hold your fingers up without saying four. <laughs> any any clarifications as to why, or is it simply because you slept through some and found other parts engaging? Yeah, exactly. Okay, I, I slept through some and found other parts engaging, and and yeah, I'm gonna read it again one of these days. <laughs> okay, I. All that I. <laughs> I gave it a five for emotional reaction. That ending, like, I, I don't know how to explain it. I just, there was something about that ending that was perfection um, and warranted a five star on the reaction emotionally. So, uh, Kim, overall rating? Four. Four? Okay. Sarah? I also gave it a four. You also gave it a four? Okay. Think I gave it a five, but I'm not sure at the moment. I think Let you me gave see it a here. four because I think I remember saying, "Oh, we all gave it the same star rating." Let me see here. I'm double checking because I cannot remember, and my brain is boopy. Boofy? Why is it? Boopy. Boopy. Did you say boop boopy? Okay. <laughs> five boopy for me. I don't know that one. No boopy. I don't know what poopy is, but it's poopy. Uh, I did give it a four. Um, and I think it comes back to that ease of reading for me for not giving it a full five stars is it's not an easy read for most people. And it did require a little bit of effort on my part, even if I enjoyed putting that effort in. All right. Any other final thoughts? Read it. It's a good book. Oh. Okay hopefully it's like they're at this point they've read it um next people have read all of these books that we're reading i actually know that some people haven't and they like just reading it so they can pretend like they've read it <laughs> <laughs> so uh next time we will be making a like 360 degree turn and be reading love on the brain um and heading into our holiday reads so our intro and outro music is by Grant Newman. <laughs> Why did you give me that look, Kim? Because that is not what we're reading next. And then I went, no, Kim, you're going to ruin the magic again. Leave it alone. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, ruin the magic again. Sorry. <laughs> you had that look on your face like, what fucking timeline am I in? <laughs> it's exactly well, I was. I'm like, I don't, I don't know where I'm at. I don't know what day of the week it is. Tuesday. 
It is it's not Tuesday. Tuesday. No. <laughs> well, yeah. Tuesday because it's released on Tuesday. I love the look on your face, Sarah. It's like I'm trying to not ruin the magic. <laughs> for anyone very confused we are not recording in order because we are going have gone on a trip for one of our books <laughs> if you're going what fucking book was that because you haven't listened to that episode yet you're going to go back to the shining one for anyone who's going what the fuck about tuesday we obviously don't record on tuesday but our episodes release on tuesday so when this drops it's a tuesday we did not record it on a tuesday we will be our next episode you who's ruining the magic here not me <laughs> the the next episode that is coming out for our full-length episodes because i can't remember if there's a rapid read between this one and the next one um actually there is blow zero which we've already recorded <laughs> is our next rapid reads episode then love on the brain will be coming out as the next main episode on that note our intro and outro music is by grant newman and is called the battle of the nile from epidemic sound our don't forget to like rate and subscribe to book file banter on spotify amazon music itunes or whichever platform you listen to your podcasts we'd love to hear from you on any of our social media platforms such as instagram or tiktok you can find us at book underscore pile underscore banter you can also support us on bookshop.org our link is available via our social media you can also email us at bookpilebanter at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you